Rules for thee, but not for me. How about cash after cash of documents found locked in the garage next to the president's Corvette, the president who excoriated another man for having his documents in a locked room under the watchful eye of the archives and the Secret Service? But here's the question we really should be asking of this eco-zealot thou shalt not drill president. Is that an electric Corvette? Well, now that you've got perspective, this is TN. The Truth News Network. And truth is what we do. And the doer is Dan Newman. And the truth of what we do is impacted today by studio equipment. And I'm sorry for those of you that tune in every day at 9 o'clock sharp Central Time. You were victimized by that this morning. And I hope many of you have done the Jen Psaki and circle back to see if we're on the air. Yes, we are on the air, and we are moving forward because that's what we do. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Welcome to Monday. Kind of a scarred scarred Monday opening, but you know what? It's just a hurdle, and we have uh, collectively jumped over that hurdle. We have so many things to talk to you about this morning. And we lost the first 44 minutes of the show. That is not going to stop us. I promise that's not going to stop us. We're going to end at 11 a.m. like we normally do because that's what we have to do, time constraints. And all that being said, what are we going to talk about this morning? We've got Xi Jinping in Moscow today visiting with his counterpart, Vladimir Putin, and uh, two, uh, I guess, two of the most evil leaders on the planet, or getting eyeball to eyeball, and guess who they're talking about? (laughs) They're talking about us over here, the evil West. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin's slaughtering a bunch of Ukrainian people, and he keeps doing it, totally unprovoked. A warrant, international warrant, out for his arrest for what he's been doing in Ukraine. But you know what? Things are different in every part of the world including right here. We're different. And you know what? We've got to learn something as Americans. When something's not going the right way, we need to make changes. We need to fix things. We need to stop doing the same thing again and again, expecting different results. One very wise man explained it this way to me one time, I guess about two years ago. Actually, I can tell you exactly when it was. It happened the night that COVID lockdowns began. I'm serious, exactly that night. And this guy gets up and he's speaking and here's what he said. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Think about that for a second. Nothing changes if nothing changes. You want some change? Well, hey, start it yourself. Well, I got myself a t-shirt. Says what I believe. I got letters on my bracelet to serve as my ID. I got the necklace and the keychain, and almost everything a good Christian yeah. I got the little Bible magnets on my refrigerator, and the welcome back to bless you before you walk across my floor. I got a Jesus bumper sticker and the outline of a fish. 
changes if nothing changes you want different results you got to start by changing something whatever is happening that is not good it's not what you want you can't just keep on doing it and expect things to change right well we're kind of in that mode this morning in the studios at TNN Live let me just let me just say this what happens here and how it gets to you that whole process is a miracle. It's it's basically unbelievable how it works. I am uh, I'm doing this show live, and I'm doing it through GarageBand, which is a standard program that comes on every iMac and every MacBook Pro. It's a great um, recording and broadcasting piece of software, and so it comes up. I load everything into it, all of the songs all of the commercials, all of the sound bites, all of that is loaded into GarageBand. And so I use a piece of software called Black Hole. Let me just pull this thing up and tell you exactly what it is. It's called Black Hole 16 Channel. It is an encoder. So it takes all of the sound that comes out live from my MacBook Pro. And by the way, All of our elements are hooked in through a console. I'm not trying to be difficult explaining to you what it is, but everything goes into the iMac, and then it's mixed live, 
the song you just heard, my voice over it, commercials, sound bites you're going to hear in just a second. That's all mixed in GarageBand, and it comes out where just like a pair of headphones are plugged in. It comes out right there, and it goes to that encoder piece of software, Black Hole 16 Channel, and then it encodes it. Then it is sent to broadcast matrix in Seattle, but it doesn't just go straight to Seattle. It goes from our studios in Northwest Louisiana. It does a bounce through the internet to Dallas-Fort Worth. From there, it bounces again. Bounce means a satellite. So you got a satellite from Shreveport. It goes up and comes down in Dallas. It rebroadcasts and goes back up to another satellite from Dallas, and then it comes down in Seattle, where through Black Hole Channel, that encoder, they shoot it out to 92 countries. <laughs> Is that not a miracle of technology? Can you believe people invented that process? And it works most of the time. What we've had happen in our studio this morning is we have a iMac that is acting up. And that, if it acts up and messes up, <laughs> that's the brains of this operation. Hey, they can do without me, but they can't do without that iMac in our studio. Nevertheless, we are here. It'll be a shortened show today because of all of this. But the really important stuff, we have plenty of time that we're going to get to. And the first report, Xi Jinping is in Russia. And there is a whole lot more, but let's listen to Maria Bartiromo from early this morning regarding Ping, or Xi, however you want to call him, leader of communist China, in Moscow, meeting with the leader of communist Russia, Vladimir Putin. Uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping arrived in Moscow this morning for a three-day state visit and talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin. This after the International Criminal Court issued an arrest warrant for Putin over alleged war crimes committed in Russia's war on Ukraine. Beijing is calling Xi's visit, quote, a trip for peace, where he is expected to push for ceasefire talks between Russia and Ukraine, acting once again as a power broker. Joining me right now is the Gatestone Institute senior fellow and author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. Gordon Chang is here. Gordon, great to see you. Thank you so uh, much. What do you make of this? I mean, China now trying to show diplomatic leadership across the world, being the power broker, bringing Saudi and Iran together, and now this. Yes, well, Xi Jinping has got a much more difficult job with Russia and Ukraine because the, the Iranians and the Saudis, they sort of wanted peace, but not Russia and Ukraine, both think that they need to continue to fight. But the thing here that's really fascinating is that the announcement of this trip of Xi Jinping going to Moscow for three days was just a few hours before the announcement of the arrest warrant for Vladimir Putin by the International Criminal Court. The Chinese knew that this was obviously going to occur. So what this is basically saying is we, China, are supporting genocide and war crimes committed by Russia in Ukraine. And there's no pushback from this administration. 
situation. You know, we've been talking about the banks all morning, of course, Credit Suisse getting an emergency buyout of UBS. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said last week that the U.S. banking system could allow for CCP-linked Silicon Valley Bank depositors to be made whole. I want to get your take on this because now we're hearing from the regulators, oh, you know, we can't bail out everybody, we can't secure deposits everywhere, yet the Chinese companies that were clients of Silicon Valley Bank, they got bailed out. I asked Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton about it on Sunday Morning Futures yesterday. Watch. It's well known that Silicon Valley Bank was an access point for Chinese companies to get American money. And when you have one of these bank failures, foreign depositors are supposed to be in line behind American depositors. Yet the Biden administration confirmed to me on a conference call last week about this situation that they are, in fact, going to make whole Chinese depositors, companies that are almost certainly, in most cases, aligned with the Chinese Communist Party or the People's Liberation Army. Gordon, your reaction. It's just extraordinary. It is extraordinary. You know, the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says, well, I don't have any uh, legislative authority to discriminate against Chinese borrowers or lenders. But the point here is that the president of the United States can use his authority under the International Emergency Economic Powers Act of 1977, or more appropriately, the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917, and say, no, we're not paying these guys back. Senator Cotton is right. The foreigners should stand behind. Uh, Americans and certainly the Chinese, the enemy. Well, we we keep uh, funding the expansion of the CCP. You've got you know you've got guys there saying double down on Chinese stocks. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, meanwhile, also joined me on Sunday Morning Futures to discuss the Biden family's Chinese business deals and why we continue to see this soft approach from Joe Biden on China's provocations. Watch this. We think there are as many as 11 more deals. Uh, now, we don't know what those deals are. Uh, with the Bidens, you know, in, in the beginning, the White House denied having any uh, knowledge or the fact that their family was involved in any sort of way, shape or form with the CCP. But now we have bank records that reveal otherwise. Uh, we don't know what the Bidens did in return for this money. Uh, the lawyer said that it was seed capital for a business. We haven't been able to find a business, Maria. Right now, it looks like uh, the Biden family just pocketed this money. Now, Joe Biden is denying that he's doing and he has been doing deals with foreign powers for years and pocketing the cash. Somebody asked him about that last week and he said it's not true. Uh, But we've got these bank records, Gordon, that shows three million dollars were sent. Well, first is an email. Hunter Biden says to his Chinese counterpart, we've done everything you've asked. You've done nothing for me. A week later, he gets a check into Rob Walker's accounts of three million dollars the very next day. A million dollars of that three million is distributed to the Biden family uh, people like Hunter Biden, Haley Biden, daughter-in-law and James Biden, uh, Joe's brother. Your thoughts? Yeah. The spokesperson for Hunter Biden's legal team said that, oh, this is okay because this was seed money, good faith seed money. Now, in these types of transactions, nobody pays millions of dollars without a contract. So, you know, this this, this, this is essentially an admission of corruption. And I'm sure that the House Oversight Committee is going to follow up on this. But this doesn't happen in the real world in the absence of payoffs, influence, peddling. 
meddling, and yes, corruption. Unbelievable. This at a time that we are watching real provocations, dangerous moves by the CCP, wanting to buy up farmlands, you know, wanting surveillance on America, surveillance balloon, TikTok, the whole nine yards. And what are we doing in response? We still haven't gotten any word on the origins of COVID-19 and why the CCP covered it up. Yes, and, and clearly, you know, even the World Health Organization now wants uh, records and is starting to criticize Beijing. But the point is, eventually, this is a big conspiracy in China. This was obviously an engineering program to, for biological weapons. Someone is going to talk. But right now, the Communist Party is in full suppression mode. And the Biden administration didn't ask. Biden met Xi Jinping in Indonesia on, in November, didn't ask. He didn't ask in the five phone and video calls before the Indonesian meeting about the origins of COVID-19. Yeah. You'd think he might want to know. After every issue that has come up, we hear the, one, the same line from this administration. We don't want conflict with China. We want competition. We don't want conflict. Hello, they're bringing conflict on a silver platter in your face. Right. I mean, we don't. No, we don't want conflict. But why do you keep calling them a competitor? A competitor is somebody who plays by the rules. Yes, and and clearly with fentanyl, they are killing tens of thousands of Americans a year. Probably eighty thousand last year, because in China's total surveillance state, the, you know, the Communist Party is behind the fentanyl gangs. So you know, Biden is sort of stuck in this 1990s foreign policy of let's all get along. Well, the world's divided into camps. China and Russia is on the one side. They form the core of a new axis, and Biden has to understand that because we cannot deal with things unless we acknowledge reality. By the way, that's Confucius. Oh. Who's talked about the rectification of names? You gotta call things by the right names. Biden refuses to do it. Well, unless they have so much on him that he just can't he, he can't push back. Oh, you don't say. Yeah, exactly. Gordon, <laughs> thanks very much. Great thanks, analysis Maria. from you, Gordon Chang. That's a little go-around there by Maria Bartiromo. Just wrapped up a lot of different things, touched on them. We are going to dig in a little bit deeper. And again, for those of you that circle back, thank you. We had equipment failure this morning in our studios, unexpected, never happens. Well, it did today, but uh, we've gotten through that. And we're going to get as much of the news and information that uh, we did our research on, much as we possibly can between now and and 11 o'clock Central Time, and I want to thank you for hanging around. There's something big in the wind, and if we don't get through anything in this next hour, I want to make sure we get through this with what is happening with former President Donald Trump. Now, there's a lot of stuff that's floating around out there, and there are a lot of people that are foaming at the mouth, anti-Trump haters people that hate former President Trump, and by proxy, people like you and me. MAGA people is what President Biden terms anybody that supports Donald Trump or anything that happened during his four years in the White House. I got to confess, I had problems with former President Trump. I hated the way he messaged. I hated the way he talked to people. But I put all of that to the side for one reason and one reason only. He made promises while he was campaigning, things that he was going to do if we elected him. More people believed him than believed Hillary Clinton, if you remember back in 2015 in that campaign. And when the election comes around in 2016, people said, we're going to give him a shot. 
And he took that challenge and he did almost every one of the things that he promised he would do. The only things he didn't get accomplished were the things that he could not doing those things solo. He had to have help from the legislative branch and a bunch of those little things weren't done for that very reason. All that being said, isn't it kind of odd to you that the Trump haters are so dead set on making sure he never gets another chance to lead us that they're manufacturing over and over and over and over things, tools, weapons to use against him to try as hard as they can to make him ineligible. Let me just say this, and this will blow somebody's mind. Guess what? If he is indicted, if he is convicted, there is nothing in the Constitution that precludes anybody that is indicted, anybody that is charged, anybody that is convicted. There's nothing that keeps them from being eligible for the White House. That is a constitutional fact. Now, we've never been in this situation before. He's impeached, not once, but twice. Three and a half years, a 40 to $50 million taxpayer-funded deep-dive investigation. And they could find nothing that showed Donald Trump had done anything wrong, as he was alleged to have done. There were a lot of wrongdoings that came up in the Mueller investigation. Most of those had to do with Democrat Party sycophants, and guess who? Hillary Clinton and her campaign. Trump campaign, clean. Wow, nobody expected that. So they indicted him again for a telephone conversation that he had with the former leader of Ukraine. And they tried to morph that into him trying to negotiate a personal deal. And that impeachment didn't work. And here we go again. The man's not in the White House. He's announced he's running for president, and he is. But this guy in New York, one of the George Soros hand-picked hard leftist anti-police district attorney, Alvin Bragg. And he is on a mission. Get Donald Trump. Do you think maybe Alvin and George, Alvin Bragg and George Soros, heavy funding of Alvin Bragg when he ran to be the district attorney in Manhattan. Do you think there's been a telephone conversation or two there saying, get him, Alvin, get him, Alvin. Don't let anybody get in the way. Get him. We can't let this guy get back and destroy our push towards authoritarianism. And that's what's going on. If it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. So what is this about all of the pending uh, charges against former President Trump? Let's dive in. Uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping arrived in Moscow this morning. Well, let's start with state New York, where the case is about an alleged payment of $130,000 made by Trump. Allegedly, it was really made by Michael Cohen, his fixer, his lawyer, his conciliary at the time, to Stormy Daniels, the porn star, who allegedly had an affair with Trump or some sort of tryst with Trump, and they were paying her, the allegation is, to keep her quiet. Now, if this was so that he wouldn't lose the election, then he could be in legal trouble. That's what happened to John Edwards. If this was a payment 
that was indeed authorized by Trump because he didn't want Melania to find out or he was just embarrassed and it didn't have to do with winning the election. That's not really illegal. But this prosecutor in Manhattan, Alan, it seems hell bent on getting Trump. And what have you gleaned from what he's revealed about the grand jury proceedings this week, which are underway right now? His main witness shouldn't be Cohn, it should be Sigmund Freud trying to analyze what part of Trump's brain uh, motivated this action, whether it was a desire to uh, keep his family from knowing about an alleged affair or a desire to win the election or both. I mean, it's so impossible to make those kinds of uh, distinctions. Look, nobody in, in their right mind would believe that Bragg would be going after John Smith or even John Edwards on a case like this. It's obviously an example of get Trump. And it's so, so dangerous. And it asks the wrong question to ask, is he technically guilty of a violation? I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I want to tell you how dangerous this is. By reading a brief quote from probably the greatest attorney general in America's history, uh, Justice Robert Jackson, who served as the chief prosecutor at Nuremberg and then was the attorney general of the United States. With the law books filled with a great assortment of crimes, a prosecutor has a fair chance of finding at least a technical violation of some act on the part of almost anybody. In such a case, it's not a question of discovering the commission of a crime and then looking for the person who committed it, it's a question of picking the man and then searching the law books or putting investigators to work to pin some offense on him. Could there be a better description of what Bragg has done, what is going on in Georgia, what Letitia James did when she ran for office on the campaign promise to get Trump. This is the worst kind of danger to justice. You know, as Lavrenti Beria once said to Stalin, I don't want to make comparisons to the Soviet Union, but he said, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. And that's what's mm -hmm. going on with Trump. People are determined to get Trump. I'm not a Trump supporter. I have a constitutional right to vote against them for the third time. And I don't want to see any prosecutors prevent anybody from voting for him or voting against them. That's something the American public should do. In a banana republic, we have a former banana republic head once said, for my friends, everything, for my enemies, the law. And that's what we're seeing done. Mm -hmm. Today, it's Democrats going after a Republican. Tomorrow, it could be Republicans going after Democrats, as they did with Hillary Clinton. So this is a nonpartisan problem that America is facing the weaponization of the criminal justice system against political enemies. Mm -hmm. Just look at the number of investigations open against him right now, and he's out of office, and that's where they intend to keep him. I mean, that's what we believe these are really about. The, just to stay on the New York case for a minute, I neglected to mention the second piece of it, which is they're going to allege, it looks, like then what Trump did after authorizing this $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels, who is going to take the stand and reportedly did so, I think, yesterday in front of the grand jury. Um, they're going to say that instead of just recording properly in the Trump books, $130,000 paid by Trump to Michael Cohen as a payoff to Stormy Daniels, that would be stupid if you're committing a crime. Um, but they didn't record it like that. What they did was uh, document it as legal expenses because Cohen was Trump's lawyer, legal expenses paid by Team Trump to Michael Cohen. And this is the second piece of it that Alvin Bragg may have used to get Trump. My understanding is in most circumstances, you can twist the law in a way to make it a felony. But in most cases, that's a misdemeanor. And it really does 
you know, re- require one to ask, Alan, is this what it's come to? The, the most likely indictment against Trump is going to be a, for a misdemeanor on his record keeping? Well, first of all, it's not even a misdemeanor to pay hush money and to try to keep it secret. That's what hush money is. Many prominent people have paid hush money over the years. Uh, what turns it into a felony is if this was designed to cover up an unlawful campaign contribution. And this combination of statutes has never previously been used as far as I know. And it's not the job of the criminal law to create new crimes. You're supposed to prosecute people for things that were obvious. Thomas Jefferson once said, for something to be a crime, a reasonable man reading it while running should be able to understand the law. Reading it while running, that's a wonderful image. Mm, That's good. sitting and I can't understand how you can combine these two statutes and turn turn a non-crime into a misdemeanor. It's not a crime to pay us money. Then they turn it into a misdemeanor and then they turn the misdemeanor into a felony simply in an effort to, to get Trump. And it might work because you can indict a ham sandwich, as we know, and so there can be an indictment. In New York, you can probably convict Trump of anything. And uh, or in the District of Columbia, where overwhelmingly people don't want Trump to run for election. Now it'll be up, therefore, to the courts of appeals. And that's probably that's a special time. prosecutor. Oh, the DC is, uh, yeah, where the special prosecutor is. OK, so yeah. wait, but let, so let me offer this. So just to clarify so that the viewers understand where we are. So they're going to say you misrecorded the reasons why you right. paid Michael Cohen those monies. That, that that was not legal fees. That was to reimburse the $130 hush money. And the hush money itself was illegal. That was a fe- that was the underlying felony that makes your sloppy record keeping go from a misdemeanor to a felony because you were covering up a felony. So in other words, we can get you on the bookkeeping if it was to co- uh, cover up a felony. And we're gonna allege that you committed a felony by paying hush money to Stormy Daniels. And the only way we can get you on that is to prove it wasn't just to Im- avoid embarrassment or getting in trouble with Melania, it was to win you the election. So this is the long logic of Alvin Bragg, the DA in Manhattan. Um, Michael Cohen has already served time. He admitted, this is what he went to jail for. He admitted that he yeah. did this Um, because the prosecutors had him and he went to jail and he's a sour grapes guy. I mean, this is the other problem. He went on the media tour. He's now become a darling. I mean, can I just give you one piece of background on this, Alan? I remember when I went to make up with Trump at Trump Tower, you know, he'd been coming after me in the whole debates and all that nonsense. So I went to Trump Tower and uh, Trump couldn't have been nicer. He was totally gracious. And Michael Cohen saw me outside of the Trump office. And I mean, daggers in his eyes toward me. This guy was such a Trump loyalist. If looks could kill, I would have been dead on that floor. And frankly, vice versa, because I'd known what he'd been doing to me behind the scenes as well. Trump, totally magnanimous, let it go. You know, we were over it. But Michael Cohen was such a fixer, he couldn't. Now he's done a 180. Now he wants to kill Trump. He's got the daggers in his eyes for his old employer who didn't bring him with him to Washington, who didn't really think that much of Michael Cohen and had embarrassed him in a couple of settings. And um, now he's doing his MSNBC media tour. That's Megan Kelly. And the lawyer you heard there was Alan Dershowitz, uh, a well-known constitutional attorney. Here's the bottom line of this entire thing. Alvin Bragg's. He's a state district attorney. He can't do anything regarding federal laws. And the stuff that they're talking about charging Donald Trump with, even if it is facts, 
would be a state situation if Alvin Bragg brings it. If it's not a state situation, he has no authority to do it. He's not a federal attorney, a federal prosecutor. He's in New York, a New York state prosecutor. There are so many moving parts. It just reeks of politicization. And go figure, somebody would go after Donald Trump for political purposes, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, there is so much corruption in the show today, an alleged corruption. We could spend all day talking about that. And again, our show was cut short by mechanical issues. We still have about 45 minutes left in today's show, and we have yet not touched the other big corruption story. That would be the Biden family. We got that up next. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a... Bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Get not only the news, but the truth in the news. From TNN, the Truth News Network. Dan Newman. That's me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Monday. And yeah, that Trump stuff. Oh my gosh, it goes all over the map. And I I heard during the weekend three different well-known constitutional attorneys step forward and every one of them was shaking their head, trying to understand how and what is happening in New York as it pertains to Donald Trump. We may never get to the bottom of it, but they're going to try it. We are told, we were told by Donald Trump It's expected he'll be arrested tomorrow. Interesting. We're keeping our eyes on it. Meanwhile, what's happening in the White House? There's a lot of fretting going on at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Of course, if you talk to Joe Biden, as reporters did, and ask him questions about the corruption that's been uh, unhidden, It's now in the public purview, and there are 11 more incidents regarding the Biden family getting illicit money from China. We are told there are 11 more incidents besides the first one that came out over the weekend. Details, details. The question is, how deep is the Biden corruption 
going to be when it's unearthed. Meanwhile, in Washington, the House Oversight Committee's investigation into the Biden family business takes a new turn as records reveal payments from people with ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Listen. They started wiring money to Biden family members, plural. And there were three different Biden family members that received a cut from that $3 million, including a new Biden family member that's never before been included in any of these investigations. Grace Curley is the host of the Grace Curley Show. Congrats to you on finding a show that had your exact name in the title. And she joins us now. Grace, by the time this onion is unpeeled, how deep will the Biden family entanglements go? It's such a good question. I mean, this is one of the first invoices that we've heard about since the Treasury gave access to the committee, gave them a lot of these invoices and files. And I think that if this is the first we're seeing, this is a very tangled web. And furthermore, I think what Comer really highlighted, which I appreciated, he said, there's a person in here who we haven't really associated with the the crime involved with this family or with the schemes. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, and so I'm curious who that is. I, I tend to think it might be a female in the Biden family, but that's just pure speculation. But the fact is, we need to know what this person got in exchange for a cut of this $3 million wire. And when you look at all of the records that this oversight committee is about to get, and you look at the the history of the Biden family, I don't think this is a family full of criminal masterminds. If you look at Hunter Biden and his laptop, this is a family that doesn't seem to cover their tracks. I think there's an arrogance involved. I think they leave a paper trail. And I think there's so much more to this story. Yeah, like they're above the law. But my biggest question is uh, about the Treasury Department. You know, Comer tried for a long time to get these documents. Um, but does this to you show that yet another government agency just feels like they show bias against the GOP? Absolutely. I think that's a great point because you see these headlines or the Treasury gives access after two months of dragging their feet and two months of stalling um, and finally gives the Oversight Committee access. This is something they should have been able to do in a couple of hours. I don't understand why it required all of this time. But like you said, it makes people skeptical of these agencies that are supposed to be nonpartisan, that they seem to be playing politics with something that the American people deserve to have finally have the truth on. And to your point, you're talking about the administrative state. It also seems yeah. congressional Democrats have known about this Biden family entanglement for years. And that's why they've been closing ranks so much around Joe Biden and his family over the course of these last two years. But this is serious stuff. A Biden business associate accepting at least $3 million from a Chinese energy company. This, according to Congressman Comer, and leading to this discussion we're having now. How much of a security nightmare will the Biden influence peddling machine ultimately turn out to be when all the facts are laid bare? It's such a good question. I don't think we're even at the tip of the iceberg. Like I mentioned, this is just the first we're hearing about this after the oversight committees received access. I think once we really get into the nitty gritty of some of these transactions and these wires, we are all going to be kind of astounded at just how deep this runs. You know, what's interesting is you put it side by side the Biden corruption scandal. That is a real scandal, by the way. You put that side by side with what Alvin Bragg is doing in New York City, going after Donald Trump for something that there's no there there. At most, 
if there is some way to create a federal liability for the former president, and none of the experts can find a way to make that bridge, but if that should happen, put that wrongdoing side by side what we know already has happened in the Biden family syndicate. The first telltale sign for me in the whole thing was when I learned that he has three mansions, two on the water. Joe Biden made $170,000 a year as a U.S. senator. That was the most that a senator made. Earlier in his career, he made less than that. His family had no money. He came from blue-collar backgrounds. He didn't inherit a bunch of money. And all of a sudden, he's got three multi-million dollar homes. How does that happen? It has to happen with there being strings attached to anything. And the strings are being exposed now. And of course, Biden, I, I, I hate it because of his position of being obviously declined in his mental capacity. And I'm trying to be nice about the way I say it, but it is what it is. Everybody can see that. I don't I don't see how he's going to be able to defend it. And I'll take it down the line and give you a little prognostication. I told you a long time ago there was going to come a point in the Biden administration where I thought it would happen when Pelosi was still the House Speaker, but now maybe McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy gets a phone call from Jill Biden one morning and says, Congressman, we have a problem. The president is not going to be able to continue. He had a medical event, and he is going to have to step aside. I see that happening between now and the 2024 election. I don't think he's going to make it that far. Who will succeed him? That's another story for another day. And I don't think we're going to get into it because it takes just way too much. Incidentally, regarding all of this stuff that's up in the air, watching closely what happens in the stock market. This morning, Wall Street opened higher. Dow Jones was up more than 300 points and the S&P 500 rising 0.6%. And that's all in the wake of UBS's Credit Suisse takeover and that eases, eases some market jitters, despite First Republic, that bank, continuing their 10-day route. First Republic bank shares plunged 37% in pre-market trading this morning. It extends a 10-day route. It's seen its value, First Republic's value, fall 80% in just a matter of days. Meanwhile, banks like Western Alliance and PacWest left reeling after Silicon Valley Bank's collapse, they saw some stabilization after officials said deposits slowed last week. So, UBS, now, now th- there is a lot to this story. Now remember, Credit Suisse is a Swedish bank. And UBS is a foreign bank, a European bank, and there's a forced marriage that goes along with it. Now let me tell you what popped up this morning about this purchase of Credit Suisse by UBS. It's not a Swedish bank. It's a Swiss bank. I'm sorry. Credit Suisse. There are bondholders of Credit Suisse, the bank, that their bonds in this merger, their bonds are worthless. 
UBS is not going to pick up the obligation that goes along with those bonds. Now, what does that mean? Listen to this. It means that those bondholders, their investment in those bonds, $1.6 billion. It evaporates. It's gone. UBS is not going to pick up that liability. Shares of smaller regional firms here in the U.S. still struggle amid a big sudden rise in deposits following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Everybody moved their stuff away looking for other places to park it. San Francisco's First Republic Bank extended a 10-day route that's seen its value fall 80%. 80%. Oh, my gosh. What's going to happen through all of this? What are the American people looking at? And you know what's sad? We don't have anybody at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that is savvy about financial matters like this. So we're, we, don't, we don't have a president that's out in front of this explaining it with credibility and telling us, hey, don't worry about this. Our administration is all over it. We have a Treasury Secretary that is lost as a goose. I mean, literally lost as a goose. Oh, my gosh. On a global scale, there is some good news coming out of Europe. New anti-globalist farmers win a war, and even more Dutch senators won elections over the weekend than expected. The anti-great reset pro-farmer Borberger Begwing BBB movement, they have won even more seats in the Dutch Senate than anybody expected. Now, these are the globalists, the anti-great reset pro-farmer group. The globalist coalition there lost heavily. The BBB was founded for one purpose only, to represent the interest of Dutch farmers that have been facing severe difficulties or even being closed down altogether as a result of the Prime Minister's efforts to implement European Union-mandated curbs on the use of nitrogen fertilizers. What is this about? It's about that Green New Deal thing, nitrogen fertilizers. Initially, a protest movement, the BBB has been involved in a bunch of major demonstrations often involving their tractors across the Netherlands. But it arrived as a political force in the country's recent regional government elections for the very first time, which also determined the makeup of the first chamber of the state general. That's the upper house Senate of the Dutch legislature. So as the election results became clearer, now appears the scale of the farmer citizen movement success was greater than even the polls said was going to happen, with it being due to claim 17 seats in their Senate become by far the largest party there. That's according to pro-former campaigner Eva Vladergingerbrook. What a name. There's a four-party coalition government of the supposedly center-to-right Prime Minister Mark Rutte. Meanwhile, 
They appear to have suffered somewhat worse losses than expected. Vladder Dendenbrook suggested they will be unable to achieve a majority even with the support of the Labor Party and the Greens. That's an interesting story. You know, we have the populist movement that came up at the beginning. It was during the uh, 2016 election run. Donald Trump headed the populist group and there were cries by the American people, give us our government back, give us our government back. Looks like the same thing happening in the Netherlands. So we're going to take one more break. This may be our final break of the day. A shortened show because of the problem we had with our studio equipment failure. Apologies. You never want anything like this to happen, but sometimes, you know, you got equipment. Equipment are going to do what equipment are going to do. Sometimes they just break, and we apologize for that. But we'll get it corrected off air today, back in the saddle, back in the saddle normally in the morning, but still half hour left. Don't go anywhere. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine. And the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Many of you know that I spent recently 10 days in Israel, and it was an amazing trip. I can't describe it any other way. But I learned a lot over there, and I learned a lot about the structure of the Israeli government. Our president 
feeling that he knows more about the way the government of Israel should run than does their Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Joe Biden decided to um, give Netanyahu a phone call. And guess what he did? He warned the Israeli Prime Minister against going after judicial reform. In other words, the courts in Israel. Now, this is Joe Biden giving Netanyahu that advice. It comes after Joe Biden as president. He considered a radical proposal, and still is, we're told, to pack our Supreme Court with leftist justices. The Times of Israel reports that Biden raised his concerns with judicial overhaul being advanced by Netanyahu's government during a, quote, candid and constructive phone call yesterday, Sunday. The article fails to note that Biden entertains his own far more radical proposals to change our judiciary after Democrats grew irate at the increasingly conservative composition of the Supreme Court after 2018. For months, Democrat Party presidential candidates pushed their proposals to pack the Supreme Court, and they were going to do it by adding four new seats, then having the president nominate left-wing justices that the Senate would confirm. Biden dropped that former objection to those ideas, and he promised to think about them. He appointed a commission to consider the idea of court packing, among other reforms, and it delivered its draft final report back in 2021. The commission warned the president that the benefits of packing the court are uncertain. However, Democrats, led by then-House Judiciary Committee Chair Jerry Nadler, had already introduced legislation on the idea. Ironically, Nadler has led Democrats in objecting to Israel's judicial reforms. Uh, It's politicking, folks. It's politicking. No other way to describe it. Nadler was joined by Representative Brad Schneider of Illinois, who claims to be pro-Israel when campaigning among Jewish constituents in his district. So Biden hadn't yet extended an invite to the newly elected prime minister to visit the White House. That's a common courtesy extended to foreign leaders, especially to democratically elected leaders of close U.S. allies. And I would think that Benjamin Netanyahu, he clicks all of those. I wonder when he's going to get to come. Hmm, I wonder if he will be invited to come. You know who Gwyneth Paltrow is, famous actress. Well, she's taking the stand in a court case, a $300,000 civil case. It's about a 2016 ski accident. Paltrow has been sued for 300 grand by a retired optometrist who claims she skied into him from behind at the Deer Valley Resort. Terry Sanderson accused the Goop founder, that's Paltrow, of skiing off after the accident, which left him with a permanent traumatic brain injury four broken ribs, pain, suffering, loss of enjoyment of life. Those are the terms of his lawsuit, along with emotional distress, disfigurement, according to the lawsuit. 
Paltrow got up, turned and skied away, leaving Sanderson stunned, lying in the snow, seriously injured. That's according to the suit, which was filed back in 2019. A Deer Valley ski instructor who had been training Paltrow, but who didn't see the crash, skied over, saw the injured Sanderson skied off, falsely accusing Sanderson of having caused the crash. A judge dismissed Sanderson's original claim of hit and run (laughs) on a ski slope, and the Deer Valley Resort and instructor were removed from the lawsuit. Paltrow has maintained that Sanderson actually skied into her and claimed she stuck around until given the okay to leave by the Deer Valley Resort ski instructor. The 50-year-old actress also said Sanderson previously admitted he didn't have a clear memory of the accident. And so what did she do? She filed a countersuit asking for the whopping sum of $1 in symbolic damages and her attorney's fees to be covered. Trial starts tomorrow. Deer Valley Resort safety policies instruct skiers to stop at the scene and render reasonable assistance if involved in a collision on the slopes. The law requires skiers who have experienced a collision to give their name and permanent address to a resort employee before they leave the scene. Other suggestions include notifying resort personnel and helping keep other skiers away from the area of the incident. And in this regard, here's what you need to know. If you know there's a Hollywood actor or actress that's on the ski slopes, go find them, ski close to them. You too may be able to come up with a lawsuit and get a bunch of money, maybe even $300,000. Now, what the heck does this have to do with what we're talking about today, Dan? It really has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But today has been a strange day at TNN Live. Nobody can credibly argue that. But listen, there's a lot of things going on in our government. We've got more. What about the House and the Senate? Believe it or not, they voted the same way on finding out the facts of COVID-19's origin. That's right. The House and the Senate voted to push forward with that. And boy, Anthony Fauci is not happy about the deep dive into finding out what those origins were. And let me tell you what you're going to find out. Well, what you won't find out. Let's start there. Anytime something comes up through the animal world in the way of a, uh, uh, a virus, a bacteria, when you find out the source is a bat, I'm just saying, or maybe a dog or a wolf or some kind of little critter, if that critter is where the source of that disease comes from, you can always go back to that critter or another critter of the same species and you can find it replicated there. What about COVID-19? It came from a bat and it made its way into the human world. It wasn't artificially put together in a lab in Wuhan. Here we are three years later Where's the bat species 
that was the source of COVID-19. You don't think they could go find one that's infected somewhere? Well, they haven't. Just thought I'd throw that in about this story. So Congress is making it clear that when it wants the president to declassify intelligence on COVID's origins, the House, with the Democratic support, voting unanimously to pass a Republican bill, which could do just that. So the vote comes after a hearing this week where witnesses backed the leak theory as the likely cause of the pandemic. The Senate passed that bill unanimously last week, and now members of both parties agree they want the truth for the American people. I believe that the IC should make as much public as they can, consistent with the overriding need to protect sources and methods. Transparency is a critical element of our democracy. The factual grounding of the IC's analysis can be an antidote to the speculation, the rumor, and the theories that grow in the absence of good information. Meantime, the former White House top COVID doctor clapping back after that House hearing where criticism rained down on him. Former CDC Director Robert Redfield testified that Dr. Anthony Fauci froze him out of discussions of the lab leak theory as the pandemic's possible cause. Dr. Fauci telling Neil Cavuto that is not true. He also denied Congressman Jordan's accusations that he financially rewarded scientists for writing a paper discounting the lab leak theory. Dr. Fauci also claiming this. I keep an open mind and I've always done that. And that circus that went on at the hearing about accusing me of trying to get people to be convinced one way or the other was really very unseemly and had nothing to do with reality. Here's Fauci, though, over the last couple of years. I'll let you decide. It's very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. I invite you to look and ask any one of those virologists who were there. And when they finally looked at it carefully, they said, you know, upon re-looking at this carefully now, we think it's more likely that it was a natural evolution. Tammy Bruce, Fox News contributor and host of Get Tammy Bruce on Fox Nation, joins me now. Um, all right. First of all, Trump's CDC director, okay, yeah. said that Fauci deliberately ignored him to cover up the lab leak claims. So when you hear Fauci tell you the exact opposite, <laughs> what goes through your mind? Well, th this is a man who we've seen, and we, we saw it here, even in his response to what the, the hearings at the House. A kind of smug arrogance, right? Literally a nose in the air, always above everyone else, you know, condemning everyone else's conversation. What we did not have during his time was any kind of a debate. Uh, it was that they just really never knew. They couldn't figure it out. They didn't know. Oh, it looks like it's, you know, more likely or believable or it's not believable, this thing. But we never had a serious conversation with details and facts. Now we are. And he seems to be very upset about that. If he is so sure, he should also welcome any kind of an investigation that is going to show us if it really did come out of a wet market. But both the FBI and the Energy Department, of course, now are saying, yeah, no, we believe it came from the lab. Low confidence, medium confidence. But in their investigations, there was an actual result. And they're saying it comes from the lab. That's why... Uh, what the House is doing and what the Senate, I mean, a unanimous voice approval of this, right. to wanting these COVID origins to be declassified, finally now, 
political parties are realizing with perhaps Lori Lightfoot's failure in Chicago, with the FBI and the Energy Department's assessment, uh, that the American people want the truth. We've always wanted the truth, and we're not going to be bullied anymore by Anthony Fauci's smug arrogance telling us to all shut up. Yeah, I mean, there are op-eds that are basically saying, why did scientists, you know, uh, basically deceive everyone about COVID-19? And the fact that they knew what they know, and they've known this for three right. years, when all of us were wondering, and especially those who have lost loved ones, how did this happen? They knew how it happened, and they deceived the American public. So why are we to believe them now? Well, but see, that's it. This is about a legitimacy of government, yeah. how we trust the government, if we do or if we don't. There's something much larger going on. There seems, look, he's got another book coming out. They've got legacies they're worried about. Individuals are getting filthy rich, extraordinarily powerful, and they like that. And the way to maintain that requires, I think, this kind of misleading of the American public. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how you get to become a multimillionaire in public service has always been a question for the American people. As our lives have declined, their lives continue to move up. So we just want fairness. We want transparency and clarity. Yeah. The world deserves that because you can't solve a problem by guessing at the cause. You can't mm -hmm. do that with cancer. You can't do that with mental health. You certainly can't do that with something like COVID. And with, when it comes to what China's doing, we're always most at risk when it comes to not knowing what's happening at the moment. And we can only do, uh, really know when we're being honest with yeah. ourselves and with the world. How do you explain the money that was given to the scientists who, who, who worked on the research? That's what I don't understand. Like, there has to be a money trail or a paper trail. Well, of course there is. And that's why there is such resistance to what the House is doing. It's always, it's always follow the money. Of course. That's why this is happening. And the good news is you can follow that trail if you're willing to. The Republicans seem to be you know, making a concerted effort, yeah. they need to keep that going. Yeah, the American public deserves to know. Me too. Transparency. And That's it's our money. It's our money yeah. and our lives. Don't forget the nursing homes. Yeah. Keep being kept out of a hospital. Uh, not being able to bury a loved one. Uh, the, the insanity they put us through yeah. uh, for uh, right. something that was just unacceptable yeah. across the board. Yep. All right, Tammy Bruce, thank you so much. Thank Great you, to see you. Thank you. Just when you think you've seen an unbelievable massive amount of evil things circulating around Washington, D.C. Just when you think you've seen it all, something new pops up. Look at what we have on our plate today, all at one time. You have Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin getting together in Moscow today. Two of the Earth's most evil leaders, the ones that have threatened to use nuclear action against their political opponents. They're meeting over there. Then what's happening over here? We've got this massive investigation that is now underway, and it's found evidence that our president, this president, cheated. That he and his family took millions of dollars in a corrupt way with sources in China. And there are also credible reports of getting money from people in Russia. I'm talking about the president of the United States, Joe Biden. And we're not done with the stories yet. What about our previous president, who is set to be indicted tomorrow in Manhattan? And it's not for doing anything as president that he's going to be indicted for. It's alleged that he gave money, hush money, to a stripper 
so that she would not come forward and tell her story. I know that's unseemly if it's true, but it's not illegal. Unprecedented in American history. The Biden family syndicate thing is unprecedented. The allegations made against Donald Trump and the fact that he's going to be indicted tomorrow is unprecedented. (laughs) You just can't make this stuff up. And to make it even worse, I want you to hear from this man. A Green Beret retired military member And remember what happened, oh, a year or so ago in Afghanistan? Twelve brave Americans gave their lives at the hands of a suicide bomber that was strapped with explosives that killed those 12 members. The explosives came from the air base and all of the equipment and supplies that were left there in our unbelievably horrible withdrawal from Afghanistan. This Green Beret, retired Green Beret, weighed in on what and how Joe Biden pulled us out of there and who is today paying a price for it. Chairman McCall, Ranking Member Meeks, committee members, thank you for this opportunity to testify before you today. I'm here to relive August 2021 with all of you, not as a Democrat or as a Republican, but as an American combat veteran that's going to do my best to represent over 800,000 Afghanistan war veterans and their families, but with my own point of view. I'm a Green Beret and a retired lieutenant colonel with nearly 23 years in service and three combat tours in Afghanistan. I'd like to start with a question. What does an American promise mean today? There's a promise in the military that is both explicit and implicit. I have your back. We were trained that way. It's, it's in our blood. But in August 2021, the leaders who held us to that standard went silent while our Afghan allies were left behind. The U.S. government may not have had the backs of our Afghan allies, but our veterans did. For as long as we've been a nation, our veterans have been a moral compass for doing the right thing, especially in hard times. As we try to figure out where to go from here, I suspect we're going to need that moral compass more than ever. You won't find many veterans sitting out here today who relish being involved in this Afghan evacuation. We paid our dues, and we tried to move on with our lives. I know jumping back into the quagmire of Afghanistan was certainly not part of my military retirement plan. But like thousands of other veterans across the country watching Kabul collapse on August 15, 2021, I received a phone call from a friend that absolutely crushed me. I'm not afraid to die, he said to me. I just don't want to die alone. Those were the words that dragged me back into the Afghanistan conflict. His name was Sergeant First Class Nezamuddin Nizami, but I just called him Nizam. His father was a Mujahideen fighter who was killed by the Soviets when he was four months old. He had no money, no family, no hope. Yet somehow he became an Afghan commando, one of the elite warriors who were trained by U.S. Special Operations to do really 95% of the fighting in the country. Green Berets, including me, who worked with Nizam, we loved him like a brother. He volunteered for every mission, every day. He was family. But despite numerous inquiries to the State Department, Congress, and even Army Special Operations Headquarters about his SIV status, Kabul was falling and no one was coming to help him. 
This was a guy who was shot through the face protecting U.S. Green Berets from a Taliban ambush. And for me, he was the same guy that even while he was being hunted and texted by the Taliban would call me to ask how my kids were doing. Over the next few weeks, I assembled a small team of volunteers, mostly veterans from across the country, that we called Task Force Pineapple to guide Nizam and hundreds more to safety. We didn't have any resources or battlefield access or time, but we had something that a lot of people didn't, relationships and trust. We used cell phones, knowledge of the terrain, and an encrypted chat room to guide at-risk commandos and their families at night navigating through that suffocating crowd through an open sewage canal and then into position to link up with known NATO service members like Aiden who were standing watch near a four-foot hole in the perimeter fence. Pineapple wasn't the only group. There were hundreds of ad hoc volunteer groups doing similar work, many of them sitting out here today. From breakfast tables to basements across the world, Jane, a gold star wife who lost her husband Chris in Afghanistan. Will, a double amputee, fighting to save the interpreter who saved his life on the battlefield, and dozens, even hundreds more. We helped hundreds of allies, but thousands were left behind, and at great cost to this vulnerable veteran population who had already given so much. My buddy, Steve, who was racked with post-traumatic stress and a traumatic brain injury from an IED, screamed into his pillow and pounded his bed because his children were in the next room as his former interpreter was detained at a Taliban checkpoint and was pleading over the phone, Steve, they are beating my wife. My children are watching this for God's sakes. What should I do? Can I fight them? Why is this happening? Jay, a former Navy SEAL in Pineapple, received a text on signal from his Afghan partner. My daughter has been trampled, sir. I know we're going to miss our chance to escape, but she's unconscious and barely breathing. It's okay, my friend. Thank you for trying. This whole thing has been a gutting experience. I never imagined I would witness the kind of gross abandonment followed by a career-preserving silence of senior leaders, military, and civilian. As a result of the way that we've left Afghanistan, we're on the front end of a national security crisis as 27 violent extremist groups are now operating on former NATO security bases with Taliban top cover. And I think we're on the front end of a mental health tsunami. As 73% of our Afghan war veterans say they feel betrayed by how this war ended. Calls to the VA hotline have spiked 81% in the first year since the Afghan withdrawal, and they keep coming. My friend Brad was found dead a few months ago in a Mississippi hotel room. His wife Dana confirmed to me that the Afghan abandonment reactivated all the demons that he had managed to put behind him from our time in Afghanistan together. And he just couldn't find his way out of the darkness of that moral injury. America is building a nasty reputation for multi-generational systemic abandonment of our allies that we leave as smoldering human wreckage from the mountain yards of Vietnam to the Kurds in Syria. Our veterans know something else that this committee might do well to consider. We might be done with Afghanistan, but it's not done with us. The enemy has a vote. If we don't set politics aside and pursue accountability and lessons learned to address this grievous moral injury on our military community and right the wrongs that have been inflicted on our most at-risk Afghan allies, this colossal foreign policy failure will follow us home 
and ultimately draw us right back into the graveyard of empires where it all started. Thank you, and I look forward to your questions. So there we have the reality, the reality of life, of being and serving as an American citizen. In this case, a whole group of people that gave their lives and continue to do so voluntarily, protecting civilians in countries where we go and our military serves. And yet we have a commander-in-chief whose number one task today is to perpetuate his hold on the White House while we look in his wake and there are millions and millions of dollars that he has been getting along with his fellow family members from one of our sworn enemies, the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping in China, obligated is Joe Biden. It's a sad, sad story, but it's our story. What are we going to do, Americans? What are we going to do? Are we going to just say it's okay and let it happen? Or are we going to stand up and say enough is enough. If we don't do that, the country that you and I were born in and we love and we support it, it's going to just wither away as all of the walls that protect the United States of America and its citizens that are put in place, were put in place and maintained through the years by people just like you just heard, making sure that we're the greatest country on the earth and that our leaders will do the right thing every time instead of putting money in their pockets. Wow. Apologize for the glitch getting going today, but thank you for those of you that hung around. And we'll get it straight, whatever. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Central Time.